0: I could not find what to talk about. And I realized part of the reason that I couldn't find what to talk about is because we're not together. There is a um, way that I know what to talk about because of being in the Zendo and seeing the shape of people's backs and feeling if they're tired. and. Feeling the energy that's moving through the community, and... It informs... What to say next. And so it was... I wasn't getting that information. I get some of it here. But... I don't get it for everyone. And so I was... As I was thinking about that... It struck me that this isn't really a problem. The first thing that a mind wants to do is make that a problem. Rather than a difference. That if it were the way it were, then it would be right and it would be easy for me to figure out or easier for me to understand what to talk about and how to respond. But that isn't the case, and so it's a different situation, and so it's a different kind of talk. And the moment the mind, my mind in this case, goes to, well, if it were, then I have even less idea what to say. Less idea of how to respond. because there's somehow something better than what is now. And that made me think about what the third day often is for people, and I don't know if this is true for you. I don't know who it's true for right now. But um, the third day we're sometimes struggling with whatever it is that is making itself known in a particular retreat. I mean, we're struggling with that maybe first and second day too, but and everybody goes through a retreat in, in a different way. But at some point along the way, we might be struggling with what wants to be known, what is coming forward, what is um, the difficulty. And there may be a number of them. And so maybe part of that is part of our relationship to that. Maybe we're simply with it. Like we're with this situation. And all the complexities of it. Or maybe there is um, a distraction going on. We talk about the hindrances in this way oftentimes that... That we might resist it through aversion, that we might distract ourselves, that we might become tired, sloth and torpor, that we might run after some idea or bodily experience that keeps us away from it. That we might loop in doubt about the very nature of our practice and whether it's reliable. That in the end, it just may not be very comfortable, any of this. And I'm not using that word lightly. It may be very, very uncomfortable. Whatever's coming up for us, or whatever's coming up in this situation outside of retreat, in some ways, um, some of the trajectory of a retreat is not unlike the trajectory of the whole thing we're going through. Together and not together. There's starting to be um, news about vaccines. So, are our minds jumping to six months from now? Are we already there? I get to go back to whatever I was doing before. And I the third day of Sashin, maybe I don't want to go back to what I was doing before. Maybe I just want to stay in Sashin. <laughs> maybe I do. Maybe I wish Sashin was a different way. I want Sashin to be the way it used to be. Even though at the time I was doing Sashin the way it was, I probably didn't want it to be that way. But now I want it to be that way. Because that was the good way. But this thing about um, comfort. And by comfort I'm not just talking about bodily comfort. I'm kind of, I guess the best way I could say is I'm talking about a kind of psychic comfort. Whether our psyche is comfortable, whether our mind is comfortable with whatever's arising in it. Really with whatever's arising in it, because even if we're talking about what's around us or what's going on in the room we're in or how our body feels or whatever that is, and I'm not talking about pain we have to take care of, this is one thing that actually is coming up I'm thinking about right now, which is this, if our discomfort is a problem, Immediately, if that's our response to our discomfort is that it's a problem. That I can't feel you in the same way if that's a problem for me. If the way a room feels, if the way if what's going on around me, if all of these things that are whatever's happening, if it's somehow discomfort is a problem, then it becomes very, very, very difficult to discern the world of comfort and discomfort, from the world of compassionate response. Because there is a certain amount of um, not moving away from our discomfort that's necessary to discern what requires my actual compassionate response and what is just me moving away from something that's uncomfortable in a moment. I need to take care of this because there's... somebody's uncomfortable or I'm uncomfortable. That's not necessarily compassionate at all. It could just be refueling our own karma, it could be refueling another person's in ways that are not at all helpful. This is really interesting at the moment. I mean, it's probably particularly difficult when one is alone, because there's not all the bodies holding us, right? And this isn't in any way a request to do some silly machismo version of Zazen. It's far too far the other way. But just a habit of the mind to take a change in our reality that is shocking, that is painful, that is uncomfortable, and make it a problem first, before any other interrogation, before any other discernment, that the pain that I'm experiencing is the location of the problem, rather than a deeper interrogation into something else. In the current situation, in the larger situation, is the problem the pain of us being separated from each other? Is that the problem? Or is the problem the trading of wildlife in ways that launch massive illnesses across the planet? Is that the location of the problem? Where does our energy go? Is the problem in Zazen the discomfort that I'm feeling with a particular set of um, feelings arising in the mind and body? Or is there something much deeper that requires me to sit with that, to not make it a problem, to not move away from it, so that I can see where that pain is coming from? The pain is probably, certainly, a a guide toward compassionate action, but what kind of compassionate action? One that believes the first impulse, or one that waits a minute and asks, what, what's going on here? And Zazen is a deep and profound support for this. In fact, for me, in my life, probably the only thing that has really helped me clarify the difference between responding to the world rooted in karmic comfort and discomfort, and responding to a world rooted in compassion. I don't think I could have ever made any sense out of that without Zazen. I don't think I had the capacity to think that through. I had to be, I had to sit, and I had to be hour after hour after hour after hour. To understand a world rooted in my own self-clinging, my own will, that was tied to trying to guarantee my comfort versus one that was compassion arising from a situation that wasn't about just my comfort. Don't exactly know where this is going, but I feel it has something to do with the world. I feel it has something to do with what we're maybe learning in this moment. Certainly for me to learn, which is how my own self-clinging to comfort drives harm on a much bigger level than I would like to fully see. And and I feel Sasheen has a has an is an enormous gift in this way. Because we don't, we don't come together to learn this in a kind of feeling of judgment or meanness or you should or any of that nonsense. But lovingly, hopefully. That this is not a process of moving from this kind of clinging to compassion. It's not a process of becoming morally rigid or anything like that. That's more of the same. Now I'm just gonna replace comfort discomfort with rightness, wrongness. A different kind of I'll move from in some ways this is this is this is a way of thinking about the Buddha's original distinction between an ascetic life and, and, and a life of indulgence. There's a life based on kind of comfort-discomfort, and then there's a life that gets based on a kind of um, rigid moral right and wrong. They both confuse us. Both choices confuse us in very deep ways. And we can bounce back and forth between the two. How am I getting this right? I'm gonna be really uncomfortable because now I'm getting it right. I'm going to choose discomfort because now I'm in the framework of right and wrong. That would be asceticism. I'm going to go back over to comfort. Neither one of these really has a handle on compassion. Can't really find, I can't anyway, really find compassionate action in a world of moral judgment. And I can't really find compassionate action in a world of comfort and discomfort. I can't seem to find it there either. And I do them both. (laughs) But there's something else about um, when we come to the hurt. Almost the first act being nothing. Doing nothing. Not doing the judgment. The moral judgment of right and wrong. I shouldn't have the hurt. If I were stronger, I wouldn't have it. If I were clearer, there wouldn't be this emotional pain. If I was more concentrated, all these are kind of moral bickering. Not doing that. But then also not doing the other, which is the minute the hurt is there, we find a hindrance to dive into. (laughs) Which is kind of a comfort-discomfort way of going around about it. And we'll do these things. So, let's not use the moral piece to attack ourselves for doing it. I think the thing is for us to become clear that they just don't work. And that they'll never work. They're never going to work. If our intention, if our aim is clarity and awakening, these two things are not going to work. They're just going to replace belief systems with other belief systems. They're just going to replace indulgences with other indulgences. And under them will be deep views about who we are that will just be re-encouraged. So this coming to what's arising... It's funny, you all know all of this. Um, Coming to what's arising with really nothing, bringing nothing to it, except openness. I mean, in that openness is, if it's really openness, everything we need is there. If it's really openness, because openness, openness is, requires the heart and the mind. Openness requires the mind to not be grasping. Openness requires the heart to be present, to feel, to make space for. (laughs) To come with an openness for, okay, this is what's happening now. An openness for this is the moment we are currently living in. This is the moment I am currently living in. Could it be better? I don't know what that means. I honestly don't know what that means. I mean, in some way, we could talk about what that means. Certainly, we want people to not be ill. We don't want harm in the world. All of that. That's clear. But for my own, I'm talking at this point about my own, our own psychic better. (laughs) Right? What is it to be fully, fully, fully with? And to catch ourselves when we're telling any narrative that starts to create. And it's not that we won't have heartbreak. That's a part of the situation. This is where it gets very messy for us, right? Because if there's such a strong... um, There can be such a strong aversion to heartbreak, that we see that as a problem. Heartbreak's not a problem. Heartbreak is good, healthy functioning. But we can say, well, the heartbreak's a problem. And so now there's tension in the mind. Now there's aversion. Now there's activity. Now there's narratives. Now there's people don't understand. If people really knew how bad it was, and oh, da, 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 da. we do all those things. So to be to to not get confused about whatever's arising being a problem, or that our current situation is in any way a problem, because through our current situation, when we don't make a problem of it. we we can begin to, one, actually have a skillful response, but two, at least for me, maybe this is wrong, but for me, I start feeling the love that's all through this. And if I make this a problem, then I don't feel the love that's all through this. I think about love as some other thing that's somewhere else, or if we had it the way it was, then we would have some experience, but I feel the love that's all through this. That's all through our current moment that each of you are bringing. And even though... Yes, I would love to be with you in a room. I would prefer that. (laughs) And there's sadness that it's not the case. None of that is a problem. That there's sadness. Through that sadness is the same clarity, the same silence, the same freedom that is through everything. If we're not pushing it, if we're not grabbing it, if we're not doing what we're doing with it, it is also freedom. Complete, entire, awake freedom. The whole of the earth is there. (laughs) I guess to tie it back, I don't even know if I want to do that. I was going to try to tie it back to the other talks, but I'm not even sure I care about doing that. (laughs) Or know how to do it. You know, this is what's coming up. I didn't know if I was going to say this or not. all, All this morning, all through the morning, I have felt, um... I just felt this very strong, um... I would say ancestral energy, and I don't know which ancestors. I don't. I don't really believe the ones that I pretend to claim, mean anything about the ones who claim me. Um, but I, there's some way I that feeling um, when it's apparent. To tell you the truth, I kind of don't like it, because it means I have to say or do things I don't want to do, usually. But, um... But the, um... That I feel too small to do. Um... But... I feel like it's important because there's something coming forward that is embracing the whole of this community. With all of the... difficulties that there's a deep, old encouragement and a strength, that I have a lot of faith in. But like Sashin, this moment that we're in with the pandemic, Sashin, everything we're going through, we can't move too fast, we can't jump to the end. Because if we jump to the end, if we make this a problem, if we think about the better, um, and I'm not saying that there's not great pain, I don't want to diminish that at all. If we jump to the end, we may not learn what we're supposed to learn. If we don't stay with our bodies and our hearts and our minds in retreat to the best that we can, And even when we can't, to stay with that, to see what we can't, what's keeping us from being with it. Just to be in this moment as it is unfolding without going somewhere else. This is where we learn. This is where we will always learn. We will always learn here. And what's unfolding now. And what's arising for us now. And when we go somewhere else, I mean, we use this, this language of the Source in Zen, something coming from the Source. Source can be understood in all kinds of ways. It can be the mystery of dependent co-arising that's beyond our ability to know everything that's affecting us that we can't, we don't have perceptual access to. When we're busying ourselves with alternate fantasies, we can't hear the source. We can't feel from it. We can't um, feel the wisdom and the encouragement that rises up through the body. When we let ourselves, when we really let go, when we really relinquish, when we let what is happening for us today, right now, in this moment, this moment, Kiku was saying, just be um, zazen with this breath. That's enough. To be with exactly what's arising as it is, um, it's connected. That is, uh, Laura talked about the connectivity of the forest. That um, being with this breath includes all of that connectivity. Being with what's arising at this moment involves all of that. It's all arising. Everything that is, is arising as this breath, this pain, this moment, this aversion, this whatever it is. This is what Dogen's trying to tell us when he says, don't worry, don't talk about winter becoming spring or spring becoming summer. Each one of these seasons arises fully as it is in a given moment. It's not about this moment we don't like becoming a moment we do. That world will make us crazy if we try to live in that world. That world is a crazy-making world. It is about the whole of life emerging as this, and the whole of life emerging as this, and the whole of life emerging as this. And in that, in the presence with that, we can discern, here is harm. Here is not. This is where I'm going to respond. This is where I don't need to. Here I'll just be still. Hopefully with all of it, we'll be still. So all of that's a long-winded way of um, saying, keep going with encouraging yourself and each other, with sitting still with what's coming up and having a compassionate relationship to it, and letting it teach, allowing your body and everything that is happening for you to recognize that that is your teacher. There will never be a greater teacher than your own body and mind and heart. If we stay with it, if we stay present with it, and if we let what needs to be, what needs to come, no one else will ever see that. We will never be seen by somebody else. That desire to be seen by somebody else in the way we often yearn for it, we will be the one, life will see us. If we need to be seen, if we cling to needing to be seen in that way, we can't, the Source can't come forward as us, fully. And so to just be the life that sees itself completely without knocking anything away, without leaping to the next page, which we don't know, and staying in the love that connects all of us together, even with all of our stuff, it's lots of it. I'm grateful for all of you, I'm grateful for everyone in this room, I'm grateful for the many years the Sangha has put in to, to mature all of our practices together. Is that Aryan who has the big tree? That's what we are right there. That giant tree with that huge root system. We're on our way to that. We can trust the ground. I think that's enough. Thank you. May May our intentions equally penetrate